0: It's only been in the past couple of years that I've been able to break the habit of starting prayers with shame and um, racking my brain to think what I'd done wrong recently, that I needed to clear the air with God so that He could hear me.
1: The teacher basically told me that I was taking away from the Bible. I would basically be going to hell because I disagreed with him.
2: Impression, An idea, feeling, or opinion about something or someone especially one formed without conscious thought or on the basis of little evidence. This week, we're talking about sticky words. Sticky words are those things told to us about our faith that have a tendency to stick around a little longer than we anticipated, things that haunt us into our adulthood and impact us in a negative way. We have to be careful with our words, especially in faith. Because they can have lasting impacts on our lives.
0: We are for the spiritual nomads, the outcasts, and the ones who desire to ask the hard questions.
2: A shelter in the desert, a safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes,
3: and our dreams.
2: We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about the consequences.
0: We invite you to come and sit at our table and be a part of our tribe.
2: We are brave. We are bold. We are the Reckless Pursuit. Hey everyone, welcome to The Reckless Pursuit. This is episode 49. My name is Cody.
3: My name is Elaine.
2: And we are your hosts. Today we are talking about something that started buzzing around my mind a couple weeks ago. It's a little bit of a last minute topic. uh, So we'll probably definitely, most likely, absolutely be revisiting this in the future. But we reached out to the web to gather some information and actually had a few people willing to respond uh, and just share about today's topic, which is, well, in in my head, I call it sticky words. And I don't know if that's the topic we're going to, the actual title we're going to stick with, if you're reading.
3: Stick with, get Uh, it? Sticky words.
2: (laughs) Right now, that's what I'm going with is sticky words. And basically what it is, is just those things we were told about uh, our faith, about religion, about Christianity that stuck with us and caused us some heartache. That uh, those things that commonly get passed around in church circles, that are just not healthy and not really biblical and not really uh, needed and can cause a lot of hurt. But before we get into that, we have a couple things to talk about Uh, the big one, which is finally here, is our YouTube channel is officially up and running. Um, we're constantly gonna be putting out media every Friday, so that means you have podcasts on Monday,
3: blogs on Wednesday,
2: and you have video on Friday. So there's stuff scattered, sprinkled, uh, kind of like Salt Bay, just dashed all throughout your week. Salt Bay. (laughs) I hate that stupid meme. Anyway, uh, all throughout your week, uh, a little bit of seasoning of the reckless pursuit in your life, wherever you want to get it, and however you want to get it all kinds of media available so for all of that for our latest blog posts for our latest uh, podcast episodes and our latest youtube videos you can go to therecklesspursuit.com and in our just front page right there we have links to all of our most recent everything pretty easy to find just scroll down a little bit it's right there Also, while you're there, um, we invite you to sign up for our email list. We're trying to get some stuff going with that as well. Uh, And also, just a quick shout out to the Reckless Community. That is our private community group on Facebook. And you are invited to join. We would love to have you to hear your heart, to hear your opinions, and just to uh, have another place for all of us to do all this crazy thing we call faith together so please go to the show notes below click that link to join we would love to have you because you are just as vital a part to this show as elaine or as myself so with that is that all our announcements elaine? i think that's everything we have going on i right think now, so
3: right? at least this week yeah
2: this week that's everything so we're going to jump right into today's topic here it comes <laughs> So today we're talking about sticky words, those things that stick with us throughout uh, throughout our lives, things we were told when we were younger, possibly uh, either younger in, in age or in faith that have stuck with us and uh, have caused us some kind of grief in life. And we have a couple call-ins, we have a write-in, and we have uh, just some information we've pulled from a few consensuses online from some posts we've made and We've talked to a lot of people, had tons of response, and uh, it's going to be a completely anonymous episode. We're not sharing any names, nothing like that's going around, just for to protect the the anonymity of all of those people who were brave enough to to talk about uh, anything they've been through. But we wanted to just hit this because it's it's a serious issue. Um, when we're young, whether like I said, that be in age or in faith. It's it seems like a common occurrence and there's a common theme where people tell us the most off the wall stuff regarding faith. Uh, there's a huge um I don't know if you call it a movement, it's a hashtag movement on Twitter right now. what's it called it's the um
3: expose Christian schools
2: Yeah and uh, it's basically just like a lot of stuff going on uh things people were told in the christian schools uh growing up you know through grade school high school we kind
3: of talked about it last episode last week's episode
2: yeah i know a lot of um christian people are very upset at the hashtag because they feel like it's an attack from the liberal left and and all that kind of stuff yeah i mean i get stuff happens in every school i think the big thing here is it's supposed to be it's supposed to be a safe environment People, uh, parents typically send their kids to Christian schools because they want them to go to a safe environment, and then to have their head full of all kind of stuff, all kind of uh, just out there things um, that aren't exactly truthful <laughs> can can really mess you up growing up in life. So we're going to share just some things that have happened to us. We're going to hear from a couple of people, or a few people, uh, either via audio or write-in, And I'm really excited about this because I think it's extremely needed and extremely, extremely needed to talk about for sure.
3: When I think everyone has had something in their life where somebody has spoke to them, but it was completely out of context, half true, or just completely bogus. And it had left a really bad impression on them. Whether like you said, either as a young age or even young in your faith, and it has caused a lot of people to grow up confused and lost and hurt and angry and upset. And there's a lot of unlearning that people are having to do.
2: Yeah. So I think the best way to open this up is just to hear from one of our audio clips. Uh, and like I said, um, normally we say first names on this. Uh, I did not ask for any names uh, on these. So I'm just going to leave it completely anonymous. But here is our first guest call-in.
0: Hey guys, thanks so much for doing this show. For me, um, when I was in second grade, I had a Sunday school teacher tell our class that in order for God to hear our prayers, um, we needed to start our prayer by asking for forgiveness for our sins and for what we had done, I guess, since the last time we prayed. Um, and we needed to start our prayers by saying, you know, dear God, please forgive me for, you know, whatever it is. And then God would hear the rest of our prayer. I don't remember if she set it up like he wouldn't hear it or he couldn't hear it, but that really stuck with me. That was second grade. I'm 35 now, um, and it's only been in the past couple of years that I've been able to break the habit of starting prayers with shame and um, racking my brain to think what I'd done wrong recently, that I needed to clear the air with God so that he could hear me and listen to the rest of my prayers. Um, And gosh, that's so sad. Um, And I wonder what was going on with that lady that she felt like that was the truth. But that was something I believed for a really
2: long time. So that's really interesting because that's something I actually heard quite a bit whenever I was growing up. All stigmas with prayer in general. And of course, it's extremely hurtful whenever you feel like you have to pinpoint every sin you've done. I've actually had, I can count in my head, at least three conversations I've had with different people uh, about this very thing where they were asking me sometimes it was in like a just like a peer-to-peer setting sometimes it was when I was actually a pastor but asking me things like well am I going to uh, go to hell if I forget this one specific part of the prayer if I forget this one specific thing um am I going to go to hell for that? And it's weird. We have to fight that as like a stigma. When you're told that at a young age, it's extremely difficult to get that kind of stuff out of your head. Like our caller said, uh, she said she was 35. Is that correct? And mm-hmm. and she still has to fight those things. And I understand that because, like I said, I've had these conversations before and and the, uh, the active question that has been asked is, uh, well, what if someone is a Christian and, they die and they're in a car accident and just before they're in a car accident, they told a lie. Are they going to go to heaven or hell? That shouldn't even be a question on people's minds. Like, if this is what we're teaching people, we have missed the mark so far, so bad, because, like, that is above and beyond. Like, anyone should be should not be fearing this, and I think if that is uh, what we're propagating, then we're really missing the point of grace. We're missing the point of of what uh, Christianity is supposed to be, right?
3: Well, yeah, and I feel like if you are praying to God, but you're ultimately fearing your conversation, like fearing like, what if I forget to say I'm sorry for blah, 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 you know, and then feeling like crap because you feel like God isn't listening or won't listen to you unless you apologize for every little sin. If you were so focused on trying to remember the bad things that you did, I feel like you're not actually praying and having a conversation with God. If you're more worried about what you did wrong than just what you're asking God for and having the actual conversation, you're missing the point of prayer. And that's not necessarily your fault if that's what you've been taught.
2: Yeah, I mean, I remember like when I finally realized that I could pray just like a normal Conversation type prayer. It was revolutionary. Like, it actually, like, I was burnt out on prayer. Like, I didn't know how and, and I didn't know if I was following the right methods. And, and I had to unlearn that. And then, like, as I grew up, you know, people always wanted me to be the one to, to pray in public settings because I had gotten so good at like the fake sounding prayer. And I had to get rid of that. I had to unlearn that. Uh, Without, you know, because I I was that person, like I felt like I had to learn to be like super spiritual in my prayer life. Um, And like whenever I was praying, you know, it was almost like the typical Pharisee type prayer of praying out loud so all could hear. Like I felt like I had to be that way for God to hear me and I had to unlearn that. So I completely relate. Something else that happens in church a lot, and this is near and dear to my heart because we're going to be doing some video segments about this very thing is prophetic words. These are fun. Um, And I was actually able to have a great conversation with someone uh, just via messenger about this very thing. And I'm going to just kind of touch on some points that she had mentioned. And she was talking, I got permission to share this, of course. She was talking about how um, she had kind of come to a place where she, she was at peace with the idea of never being married. And she said that the first prophetic word that she had ever been told is that God had a good boyfriend for her in mind. And that was literally right in the middle of her time trying to come to peace with uh, not being married. And she said that uh, it definitely crossed some boundaries. And she's had encouraging words that were good. But at the same time, she doesn't know what to do with them because of some of the negative ones she's received. And this is an interesting thing altogether. I have a weird thing with people coming up and speaking over me, whether it be like prophetic or word of knowledge or whatever you want to call it. Like, I'm I'm weird about this, okay? Uh, You know, there are people that I trust to speak into my life. Um, I mean, if you want to call it prophetic, that's fine. Then I have a lot of people I don't. And it's hard to differentiate sometimes because in church settings, we, a lot of church settings, there's this like free environment of I'm just going to go and I'm just going to speak over you because that's what I'm supposed to do.
3: So have you ever experienced somebody giving you a weird prophetic message that was completely oh, not man. even... I know you have. I have.
2: <laughs> go ahead and share yours while I think about that. Okay,
3: so one time we um, were at church I think it was on a Sunday night. There was like a guest speaker or something. There was some prayer train or There was a fire tunnel. Yeah, whatever the crap that is. I don't even know what that is <laughs> I to don't
1: me. Know. it was weird. As
2: yeah, crap. I
3: was like, I don't know what this is. You gotta um,
2: love Southern <laughs> Pentecostal tradition type stuff.
3: But um so yeah, so there was the what'd you call it? Fire tunnel. Fire tunnel. tunnel. There's no fire. They're um lit for Jesus. A little let down. <laughs> but um yeah, so like everyone went in a circle and was waiting for their prophetic word over a bunch of a bunch of different leaders of I think different churches. It wasn't all the one church. I went through and there's these leaders and they had prophesied over me that I was going to go to Africa and that I was going to teach English to African children and that I was going to be a missionary and that was what God had
2: it's always, mis- every, if you are under the age of 25, a female and not married, you are instantly going to get that freaking prophecy.
3: And like, I love people, but I don't really have a desire to do missionary work in Africa. That's never been on my heart to go to Africa um, to do missions or much less. How dare you? <laughs> speak, uh, or much less teach English to Africans. However... I am teaching English to Chinese kids currently, and so maybe online. So-, online. so maybe somehow their prophetic word was like mixed up with a bunch of others, or maybe
2: they just gave you the most generic prophetic. Yeah, word but in I the left that and I was like,
3: mm, "Don't, don't receive that because I don't feel that. I don't feel like God has that for my life, and I still don't. But it could happen. I'm it's just saying
2: that we have to do that in general, though. I've had stuff spoke over me before. I can't put my finger on what exactly it's a serious thing to speak into someone's life. And I understand people probably think they're hearing from the Lord. I just think that we abuse that a lot in church and we
3: We use the phrase God told me to tell you this.
2: Right. And when you use the phrase God told me to do something or God told me, you kind of take out all room for error there. And that can really mess with that can really mess with someone, you know, that can that can stick with someone. Those are life-altering things. In the in someone who is moldable, someone who's in church and is pouring their heart out, there's a good chance whenever uh, you speak over them, they may not be as keen as Elaine was. Just to say like whatever, you know, they may actually try to take some of that and like you could be dictating someone's life. Be careful with what you're saying, uh, because I just don't think every teenage girl's life uh purpose is to go teach african kids something i just don't see it wasn't
3: mine but i mean that's okay
2: so let's just hit on a few points that like are recurring themes that we've seen there's a phrase thrown around a lot god needed another uh, angel in heaven and that one's pretty rough uh we hear that a lot used in the passing of a loved one or what have you and i just like to point out First and foremost, the, the first thing that comes to my mind is like people are not angels. Angels and people are not the same thing. And that's extremely frustrating to me. It's not comforting. I, I think about like, you know, uh, just with some of the loss that uh, happened last year and everything, I can think back to people and they just, they try to comfort you in those times by saying those things, but it's not comforting. There, there's nothing comforting about that, in my opinion. Uh, having someone say, "Oh well, God just needed another angel," because that makes it sound like God intentionally killed someone you care about because he was running low on angels. I don't know how you start running low. How do you run low on angels?
3: And in, in the Bible, were like half of them followed. Satan. It was a third. Well, a third. I guess that's how you. That was a an long
2: time ago. I don't <laughs> think God's just now getting around to, <laughs> so. to restocking on <laughs> angels. Let me tell you. And I don't think he's snatching up folks from the earth to do that.
3: Something that I have heard a lot is God will never give you anything that you can't handle. And I know a lot of people who say this mean well when you're going through tough times and trying to overcome certain things in your life. And they say, well, God will never give you anything you can't handle. And honestly... I don't think that's correct or accurate um, because there are things in my life that I can't handle all the time <laughs> like last year with all of the stuff that Cody and I have gone through and even before like there are things that I have not been able to handle. But I think that we should tweak it to God will never give you anything that he can't handle. God can handle anything. if you're going through something, God, can help you through that. And I think that's what people mean when they say that he'll never give you anything you can't handle. Um, but to me, when I think of that, I'm just like, well, there are things I can't handle on my own all, all the time. But I also know God is my strength. And through God, I am able to handle things that happen because I'm leaning on his strength.
2: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think that sometimes that makes you feel weaker, because you're like, God won't give you anything you can't handle. And it's an easy way of saying, uh, suck it up, buttercup, is basically what it's saying. And that's just, it's not healthy. It's not uh, beneficial to the person who is obviously going through something, uh, if that is something that they have on their mind. <sighs> Here's a big one for me. I have heard this more than once, and it is a personal like, shot right at me. Uh, and it's, mental illness is based on a lack of faith or your relationship with God. I struggle with anxiety. I am overcoming anxiety. I believe in the power of my words. I'm not bound to anxiety, all of these things. But I have struggled with anxiety. I have had panic attacks laying in the floor, sweating, and feeling like my shirt was choking me to death. And I have felt like I was going to pass out. I have been plagued so much it has left me... Uh, non-functional for days or weeks at a time because of how anxious, how nervous, how scared I was. And during that time, I would pray, and I would pray, and I would pray, and then I would pray that God would take it away. And to say that it was a lack of my faith or a lack of my relationship with God is the biggest load of crap, because if anything, I was begging God to fix my brain. Why was I created this way? Why am I like this? I don't want to be this way. And I know so many times I would have some of these thoughts, especially when I was younger, I would have some of these thoughts and I would feel like dirt because by telling someone that, oh, it's a lack of faith or it's you're not close enough with the Lord, uh, you're allowing Satan to have a foothold in you and you just need to pray that away. I actually have a, um, there's a pastor that I actually have always looked up to uh, in California and he shared something on Facebook and it broke my heart the other day because it basically said that exact thing of like, if you have anxiety or depression or fear or trauma uh, in your heart, then uh, you just don't have—basically just aren't giving God enough uh, authority over that. Ouch. Like, that hurts. Like, (laughs) I'm not trying to keep it from God. Trust me. I don't want it. You know, if anything, I have begged and pleaded for Him to take it. And sometimes it just—it's me having to deal with me and my stuff. And, And I have to try to come to a place where I can accept where I'm at or what I'm going through. You know, there are a lot of people. There are so many things. We've done ep- uh, episodes on mental illness before. Uh, we did a couple of them. And there are so many, so many things that play a part in mental illness that are biological, that are to do with health, uh, the way we eat, that go beyond just our relationship with God. And dependent on that, honestly, pushes people further from God or further into the hands of temptation, if you want to call it that, because. Uh, you're literally telling people that you're allowing the devil to get to him. And if that isn't going to give, if you have anxiety and you're telling someone that their anxiety is is, uh, caused by the devil and you're just playing into his hand, that's going to make their anxiety worse. That doesn't help. So please stop with that. And that kind of also goes into the whole thing of, uh, oh, well, you're not healed because you're not praying hard enough or you don't have faith. You got anything you want to say on this? For I, I start going. I, mean, I can, you're on
3: a tangent, so <laughs> I can go I'm just on a let tangent. You go.
2: <laughs> that makes me so angry. If you think for one second that people wake up in extraordinary pain, that go through extraordinary painful things because of their lack of faith. I have watched people bawling their eyes out asking for a healing and never get it. Do I believe that God hands out healings? Yes. I don't know his system. Uh, I don't understand why some people get it and some don't. I believe in the power of healing. I honestly do. I believe uh, in the supernatural. I believe in those things. Uh, I've witnessed people be healed. And there's been times in my life where I wished I had it too. And to say that it's like, oh, it's a sin in your life keeping you from receiving that. Oh, it's this. Well, I mean, if if we're supposed to be uh, covered in grace, why would one of our sins, maybe that goes back to the whole thing of well, we didn't pray right. I don't know. But, you know, there are people, solid people, kids. There are kids that have suffered in pain and to say that it's a lack of faith, well, uh, a child isn't even responsible for their own actions. Young children aren't resp- responsible for their own actions. It's a product of living in a fallen, uh, sinful world. And some people are looking for healing, and they're so ashamed to turn to things like medicine. They're so scared because they feel like it's stifling their faith or degrading their faith, and they they are just pulled away from uh, their faith because of their fear of upsetting God, or that there's something in their life holding them back from receiving uh, their true healing, and that's just that's just not okay. Don't tell people that.
3: So another issue that um, is common that we've seen is how there are certain people who think that any doubt that you have or any question that you have about faith or religion or God. Is the devil's work. Oh. And apparently if there are things that you struggle with. Or can't wrap your brain around. You're feeding into Satan.
2: The lies of the enemy. So
3: basically this podcast.
2: So basically to question anything said by another human being. Is to give room for the devil.
3: And you're automatically going to hell apparently.
2: Yeah. I mean, the Bible is kind of hard to interpret. Like, let's be honest. Like, There's some parts in the Bible that can be a little contradictive. There's some parts in the Bible that can... I mean, Jesus spoke in parables, and even his closest homeboys had to come back later and be like, hey, Jesus, you told all those people that thing? Like, what the heck did you mean? Like, if we didn't have the interpretation, we'd be thinking the same thing. Like, what do you mean a lost sheep? What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about you know I don't know what you're talking about with this this uh these plants and the chaff and the and the wheat I don't know what all this means I think that having questions is a natural part of trying to understand, which is a natural part of being human, which is what God put in us like I don't i've I've heard it I just don't get it you know I guess uh the big thing that irks me is, when you question things especially in a church you question uh doctrine things like that uh, you're labeled as a goat and <laughs> um
3: the greatest of all
2: time no no you're labeled <laughs> as a different kind of goat like you butt heads with everything and and sometimes it's the people aren't trying to butt heads they're trying to understand or maybe they just don't see it the same way and honestly let's be let's be completely real here the bible Oh, people are going to hate me for saying this. The Bible isn't black and white, okay? Sure, there are parts of the Bible that are very direct, and there are a lot of the Bible that's not. And the way I read something and the way you read something aren't always going to line up right. And there are a few key things, you know, that people can probably band together on, and there's a lot of gray area. And it's, you know, the Bible is very prismatic, you know, whenever an opinion hits it, it separates into a lot of different interpretations. And so to question things, to challenge things, that's okay and that's needed because that's what grows us. And I think that actually leads into our next caller. So uh, Elaine, you wanna go ahead and hear hear from her? Absolutely. All right, we're gonna go ahead and play that for you guys.
1: When I was in eighth grade at school, I had a Bible teacher who was teaching a very bizarre belief that I've never heard anywhere else in the church and i've been in the church my whole life and i disagreed with him and i told him so and i gave biblical examples for why i believe he was wrong and i just kind of talked and kind of had a debate and the next day he came in and he brought up the verse revelation 22 18 and 19 that talks about how if anyone adds to the prophecies in this book that god will add to in the plagues which are written in the book and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy god will take away from his part from the tree of life and from heaven and so the teacher basically told me that me disagreeing with his viewpoint i was taking away from the bible because of that i had no place in the kingdom of heaven and then i wasn't him telling me it was this is what the Bible said, that I would basically be going to hell because I disagreed with him. He said this in front of my entire class, just kind of one of those things that even 10 years later, I can still remember. I still remember the conversation. I still remember leaving and walking through the hallway and being so mad that this happened.
2: See, This is exactly what we were just Talking about. I mean, you have people who can say some bizarre things, and you have someone else going, Hey, you know, I, this is also in the Bible, and this is why I believe this way. And instead of just having conversation, of course, in this instance, you know, this kind of goes back to the hashtag we were talking Mm -hmm. about with the Christian schools. uh, It's kind of a, a bizarre thing that a teacher is telling a student. That they're going to hell, and that is just, oh my gosh, well, don't. not
3: even that, just that there's no place in heaven for them because they had a question.
2: Right, and this is not, what we're...
3: And I feel like not even a question against the Bible, but just a question against the teacher.
2: Right, or just a general, like, not... This isn't like uh, salvation or non-salvation, life or death, This is a general point that's like, hey, I disagree with this. I think the Bible actually says this. What's your opinion? And to be attacked or to tell someone, oh, you're going to hell because you don't see it this way because the Bible says do not take anything uh, out of context, or do not add or subtract any of these words. And I just want to tell you something. As um, As a young kid growing up, and my mom grew up Pentecostal, she had told me that before, and I was very heavily involved in something called junior bible quiz. And I was extremely scared to misquote a Bible verse out of fear of like lightning was gonna like I'm not exaggerating. I know this sounds crazy, but I was scared to death like lightning was gonna bust through the ceiling and fry me dead if I added an extra and or a the or a thou. That's I remember terrifying. one terrifying I know. <laughs> I mean this is coming Crush. this is also coming okay. <laughs> this is coming from the same doctrine that tells you um, don't ever talk bad about the devil because he might hear you and come after you. Like literally instilling the fear of the devil. That's another thing. Don't tell people that. And since we're on a conversation and not <laughs> telling people stuff, that's another, I just thought of that. Dang it. <laughs> that messes with you as a kid. I had a terrible anxiety about that. It gave me nightmares. I was so scared of that exact verse to be taken out of context. And one time I remember hearing a pastor misspeak on stage. And I happen to know that Bible verse by heart. And I was like, oh man, they left out like a certain word. And I was kind of genuinely freaked out for them. And like, I was scared they were going to go to hell for that. And I was like, no, my pastor can't go to hell. He's my pastor. If he's in hell, what does that mean for the rest of it? Like, it's, I know it's silly, but this is my thoughts as a kid. This is the kind of stuff we're putting in to kids a lot of times, instead of building them up and saying, hey, like, here's the good things, here's how to question, and here's be curious, be uh, be brave, be bold, you be know, reckless. be a little <laughs> reckless. Uh, we're teaching them how dare you speak out of line, how dare you have your own opinion, how dare you do these things. Uh, and we use hell, we use uh, the Bible in essence, not the Bible's hell by any means, but we use the Bible and the fear of hell and damnation as a vice or as handcuffs basically as rope to tie someone down to bind someone in a certain belief and there's no freedom in that at all uh there's a couple other points that people had made like just general consensus points um things like meditation and yoga or evil just silly stuff like that
3: i've heard with uh yoga that um you need to be careful because you could accidentally be worshiping the sun or the moon or the or nature.
2: Good god. My dog worships the sun all the time then because he is constantly doing some yoga poses. <laughs> but <laughs> if I ever stretch the wrong way, I could inadvertently worship the sun. <laughs> Listen, I only worship one sun. His name is Jesus. So yeah That was corny as crap. I'm That's sorry. okay. <laughs> Guys, I was, raised in the, I was raised in the South. Bear with me. Uh, yeah, that's that's craziness. Meditation is not clearing your mind and making room for demons, and yoga is not. It's
3: actually making room for Jesus.
2: Yeah, and yoga is not worshiping the sun. It's, it's stretching, and it's extremely difficult, too, by the way. So we did a whole episode with Sarah Sullivan about that if you want to go check it out. It was a good episode. Uh, here's a big one that really irks me um a woman's body causes a man to stumble how do you have how do you feel about that Elaine that knowing that your body is a stumbling block man that's exactly we've talked to two people about this we talked to Christy that was Christy and we did an episode mm-hmm. on uh, modest is it really hottest those were super early episodes like back mm-hmm. when the like that a was a year ago, ago <laughs> but we did two yeah. episodes on those things Christy was awesome with some of the stuff she shared about that uh what's your opinion on that? that you're a stumbling block to men, Elaine?
3: It's bogus. It's it's crap. Like, I don't feel like I'm a stumbling block. I feel like guys need to have control <laughs> over their thoughts and their actions and that we shouldn't be placing the blame on women all the time. And I'm not man-shaming or whatever it's called, you know. Um, but it, but I do get aggravated when it's always like, well, the woman needs to cover up or the woman needs to submit or the woman needs to do this. And problems or struggles that men have, it's always pinned against women. And sometimes men just have problems.
2: Well, men just need to quit being so, you know, just quit acting like horn dogs and get over themselves.
3: But at the same time, it could be flipped, though. There are yeah, some no, things Yeah, no, it like, goes
2: both ways completely. I think that it's just, it's crazy to me how we preach purity, but so often we kind of, it's a one-sided preaching. You know what I mean? Like women seem to carry a bigger burden with that than men do. And like I said, I I agree. There's a lot of like this, there's a lot of debate, especially with the Gillette commercial that just happened not too long about the whole man shaming business. And, you know, I kind of, I kind of liked the commercial to be honest. I love the commercial. Um, I just think that men have to quit blaming women for their lust issues. You know what I mean? Like you can deal with that just because it's rampant in the church that we're preaching abstinence and we are also dealing with hormonal teenagers and adults for that matter. Like there is a right and a wrong way to do things and, To blame a bathing suit or anything like that is out of line. Now, sure, if women are like, if there's like a woman who's trying to act like the proverbial uh, seductress. And then blames
3: it on the man.
2: Right, like that that happens too. I've heard horror stories of that kind of stuff happening and ending uh, not just careers, but putting people behind bars for false accusations. You know, there are instances where, yes, like, women ag on men just as men ag on women just as everyone needs to quit uh blaming each other well, that, and take responsibility for their actions.
3: And we need to quit hypersexualizing our bodies.
2: So with that, we don't want to just dog on everything happening around, you know, just we don't want to just sit here and bash everything that we've ever been told. We're trying to make a point here like, hey, don't do that. Think before you say things. Like let's be a little more open. Let's Let's explore things together. Let's explore uh, this faith we call Christianity, the Word of God, the Bible, together.
3: Well, and I think that we need to be more mindful of our words. You know, there there's that scripture that says, like, our tongue is a double-edged sword. Like, it's either life-giving or death-giving. Like, right. you have that—your tongue is, like, holds the strongest power of how you— add value to somebody's life or take it away. You can make somebody confident or you can give them confident issues, you know, like especially if somebody who is new to their faith and or an impressionable young child.
2: Yeah, and I think the big thing there to remember also is fear tactics are never a sustainable and healthy way of building anyone up. But uh, both of our call actually had some great advice and things they would like to share on that. So let's just go ahead and listen to our last caller uh, first.
1: If I could just talk to somebody who is younger than me or if I could talk to myself back then, I wish I would have told myself to make a scene that I should fight for corrective action to be done against this teacher. That it is not okay for a teacher to tell a student that they are going to hell for disagreeing with them about a biblical viewpoint that has nothing to do with salvation in any way or is completely insignificant in a grand scheme of doctrine and that it's also not okay to do this in front of a kid's entire class and i wish that i would have stood up for myself and would have gone to authority figures that in my life he would have supported me and would have asked them to do something about it to make a change and i didn't do that and now as an adult i hope that i can stand up for others that i can be that support for a kid when they come to me and tell me that they're being ostracized by an adult that i'll stand up for them that i don't allow any child abuse not even religious abuse against a child that that is child abuse and we don't let it happen here and i think a lot of it also comes down to just feeling valuable you are valuable and you are worth it and you have the right to stand up for yourself no matter your age or your gender your race or ethnicity you deserve respect somehow we need to bridge that gap i think a lot of that starts with loving each other and respecting each other and teaching each other to love and respect yourself
2: i think it's a great point to remember that the pressure of religion when used as a weight or a burden, is so high. I mean, especially in the mind of a child. You're talking life or death. You're talking living or dying for eternity. It's heavy. And I know so many people, like, there's a meme, and I think I may have mentioned last episode, that's floating around. It's like, I know I can be annoying, but if you just knew Jesus the way I did and how important his life was, yes, like, okay, sure. That's, I get Jesus is important, but shoving religion down someone's throat is never going to work except for making scared people. And if there's any younger people listening to this, if you're going through something like that, please don't be silent about it. Don't feel like you have to take that. Because in essence, it is abuse. It is child abuse to be sat there and use uh, hell tactics against you and to put you into a place of fear submission. That's not okay. And you have a voice.
3: Well, and it's hard because there's so many people who are in these Christian schools and home settings or wherever. Settings. Yeah, wherever these people. Um, home groups. Yeah, wherever these religious pe- leaders are instilling fear tactics into children, they grow up and just are completely angry at God and bitter at Christians. Scared and to
2: death of God.
3: Confused because they grew up their entire life of fearing God. And sure, there's the essence of, I guess, a God-fearing person. But that's not what that means. No. And you're not supposed to, why would you be afraid of your creator, you know? And like just a lot of people have it so skewed and it's not their fault.
2: And the last thing about what she said that I'd like to point out is we need to quit making big deals over things that aren't big deals. Like I think there's so many things in the world of Christianity of faith that we sit down here and we argue about, we preach, we fight over And God's probably sitting up there going like, man, they took that way too seriously, way out of context. Like, it's so insignificant in my big plan. Why is that what they're choosing to focus on? And that's why Christianity comes across as so hateful sometimes, a whole lot of times, because we pick and choose our fights and the the fights we choose are so wrapped up in our own doctrines and everything that we just look like a bunch of ignorant buffoons arguing over uh is the glass half empty or half full and it's just ridiculous it's out it's it's completely not necessary and serves no overarching purpose in anyone's life whether on this earth or after and we waste our time with it
3: so now let's listen to our first caller's advice on this subject
0: it took me so long to recognize that that was not that was not the truth that we don't need to ask god forgive us in order for him to hear us. I'm rethinking a lot of what I think about prayer and that kind of thing. But for, for other people who feel like they're stuck in rituals, um, and feel like they're in a system where they have to earn love or have to, um, be very conscious of what they're doing wrong all the time in order to be worthy. For me, that felt so normal. And I would say it's hard to know that that's not the right thing to do unless you just start questioning everything. And that's what happened to me. I just started questioning everything and realizing the damaging effects of what I'd been taught.
2: Earning love and being conscious of all your constant flaws in order to be worthy that sounds like the most opposite of Jesus thing I've ever heard. And yet this is how so many people feel after they hear some of what we tell them. Right?
3: Well, yeah, because, you know, growing up, at least for me, I was always taught, like, you don't even have to do anything. God loves you. Like, you you know, it's a relationship that you have with God but you don't have to go out of your way and compete and to um, try to get him to notice you and try to get him to love you because he already loves you. There's already that grace and mercy. And and if you slip up, God's not over over there like, well, I'm not going to answer any prayers until you apologize. Or like, it's, you know, it's not weird like that.
2: Yeah, but so many people are taught that is the problem of like, oh, well, if you're not constantly aware of your faults, then, you know, how are you going to repent of them? And that's, like, such a backwards theology. That's exactly what, you know, the atypical, you know, pitchfork devil would want. Uh, He would want you to be uh, constantly thinking about your errors. And and the whole earning love thing, you know, even in, like, progressive... uh, Churches, Or in um, a lot of your more non-denom, popular, like, Jesus loves you, grace, grace, grace churches, we don't necessarily preach, uh, oh, you have to fight for love, fight for God's love. Uh, they don't necessarily preach that, but a lot of times they behave that way by their own actions. You know, how many times have we been to churches where people completely ignore our existence where people Mm -hmm. completely will shun you if you don't fit a certain body type or image type. That's a legit thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't fit the standard look, the non-denom look, so you're shunned. You're not part of that group anymore.
3: Well, and especially for a new and or non-believer who is interested in questioning And they go to a church like that, and they're like, well, if I'm not even accepted into God's people, then I'm definitely not accepted into God's love.
2: Right, and that's so vital. Really, We don't have to work for love. And our actions do speak louder than our words. Like, hey, (laughs) you know, that saying's been around for a while. There's a lot of truth to it. Actions speak louder than words. We can tell people all day long that God loves them, but if we're not showing that...
3: We're not doing what we're... Called to be doing, if we're not showing God's love, you know, they're the two things that God commands us to do is to love Him and then love others.
2: And then all other commands will follow suit. Yeah.
3: And if you're not loving your fellow brothers and sisters, um, even the non believer brother and sisters, you know, if you're not exemplifying that love, people are going to look at you like you're crazy, like you worship this God that you preach about loves you and there's grace and mercy, but you're not even acting like you believe in the grace and mercy and that you love people. Why would I follow that?
2: Right. And it kind of goes to the whole thing of like, if you've loved the least of these, you've loved me. Well, if you love the ones who don't feel like they're worthy of love, then that's how you show true love. And the last thing that she said, which of course always strikes a chord here on this show is question everything and uh you may get labeled as a goat you know so be it you know you know who you are you know where you stand and don't take that label don't accept it it's okay to question you know even jesus questioned his own father dying on the cross i just want to leave you with that that thought right there thank you everyone who expressed opinions uh thank you for writing in for having conversations for calling in We really appreciate the conversation, and if you're listening to this, we want you in on this conversation. Please go down there and ask to be a part of the Reckless community. We want to hear your opinions. We want to give you a safe place to come and to express and to ask and to feel like you have a voice because you do, and it is welcome with us. If you enjoy the show, we ask you go and subscribe and then drop us an honest review and rating. We want to hear from you and we're always open to make this show better. And just one more quick plug for our YouTube channel. Links for that are below. We got some pretty funny stuff on there. There's a lot of stuff coming down the pipe for that. Always good stuff and as always on Wednesdays our blogs that come out that my wife so eloquently puts together. She has a way with words on paper unlike anyone ever met so props to you elaine
3: thank you for that
2: uh and you can go to the dot to find all of this stuff that i'm talking about and more we love you guys and as always be brave be bold
3: and be reckless we'll talk soon